Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. This place, we want it to be incredibly encouraging for you. Are you encouraged most times when you come here? I just happen to believe that it's the kindness of God that causes you to change your mind to desire Him. I think there might be a scripture about that somewhere, right? I think that if you really understand His love for you, you're going to respond with love for Him, which is keeping the commandment. You know, with new covenant commandments, love God, love people, there's no curse if you break that commandment, right? There's only blessing to experience in keeping those commandments. But it's not that you do it legalistically and then all of a sudden God says, oh, you kept that commandment, now I'm going to bless you. You loved me You loved me really good today. Here's some cookies. You know, in the form of paid debt or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you, don't, you don't love him and then he says, oh, thank you for loving me. Here's a reward. You know what I'm saying? It's that the love is a changed heart you looking at what he did for you, you recognizing and being thankful for what he's done for you and letting him then influence you because of how much he, what, because of what he sees in you. You know, I was watching some of Courtney's uh, message last week. I, I, we actually stopped watching right before the incident, but he pulled through. Y'all appreciate Courtney back there. He did a great job last week, didn't he? And... Um, Got up and finished. That's awesome. He ain't scared of passing out. <laughs> By the way, eat before you preach. <laughs> Just so you know. No, it was hot in here too. Our air's got issues, but you know, stuff happens. Um, but it's like, you know, I could see somebody facing a situation like that and, and being afraid or intimidated or feeling embarrassed or whatever. But, you know, I suspect that with, with him, it was just the situation. It was a matter of he knew who he was. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm going to put some words in his mouth. You just nod and act like this is what you think. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's a perfect example of what we're talking about. Adversity comes. Life happens. But if you know who you are, who cares? I don't, I don't care what you think about me. You know what I mean? Why do we care what our circumstances tell us about ourselves? I mean, you care, but you don't let it dictate to you who you are. You know what I mean? So as believers, we can't look at situations like Syria. We can't look at situations like the slavery that's happening all over the planet and let it define us as individual believers. We have to realize, you know what? We are the ones that can make the difference here. We are the ones that can take responsibility for this power and authority that God has given us and show love toward people. I mean, I'm kind of dancing around here a little bit. You got to, this is my first week. When I'm gone for a week, I got 12 sermons when I get back. So you got to let me, I'm find my groove here in a second. I do have some notes. We'll read some scripture, but you know, it's just a matter of living this Christian life, knowing that God's kingdom is at hand knowing that ultimately God's will, his desire for this planet is what becomes established 
And if you really want to know his will, you look at the garden, which is perfect, and you look at after the return of Christ, which is perfect, and that's how you understand the will of God. Everything else in between is man having a hand in it. That, that is the easiest way to make sense of why the planet is the way that it is, you know? And you see people questioning the will of God and questioning how God works and this and that, and it's like, look at the blood of Jesus, first off. That's the place that you have to go to understand God. Jesus is the perfect expression of the invisible God. And what he did was go around and bringing people into an experience with the relationship of a loving father. That's what the world is missing. If the world could experience this love that causes you to just say, oh, I, don't, I don't need to be upset with them because of their skin color any longer. I don't need to be upset with these people over here because they have more than I do any longer. I don't need to be insecure in front of people because I've made some really bad decisions in my life and I'm still putting the pieces back together. I don't need to be embarrassed about that stuff because my God loves me. I have a father that holds me right here and placed me within him and connected me to him. Yeah. says, you're at peace, my child. Amen. Rest. Yeah. And then inspires you that if you've got some messes, to clean them up. And you just clean them up from a place of peace and security and strength in Him. It's never too late. Amen? But it starts with knowing your completeness in Him. You know, all the stuff that we want to do and we're compelled to do and we're taught to do and we're told to do as Christians, as believers, and all these things that you're supposed to display as works of spiritualism, it's like that stuff... When you don't know who you are, you're just faking that stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you might know that living in peace or being able to help someone in a difficult time, you might know that you're supposed to do those things, but if it's not done out of just a natural expression, you just do it without thinking, I'm a Christian, so I must do this, so there I've done this. You know what I mean? It's like you just do it, and then you and it's like you turn around and realize, oh well, I'm just I'm just being me. My my prayer for you and me and all believers on the planet is that they just be themselves, which is a representative of the living God. Without trying to add all these labels, without trying to add all these expectations and all this stuff and judging themselves because of what somebody else does and how they follow God, and just learn to realize, first off, God created this planet for us to enjoy Him, enjoy nature, and enjoy each other. I mean, think about that. If everybody on the planet right now just decided to say, I don't need this gun any longer, I'm going to be kind to you and you and you, what would the planet look like? You know, that's what God wants. It's pretty simple, really. But they don't know. The world doesn't know, you know? The world doesn't know what a Christian is. Think about this for a minute, you know? If they knew who God really was, they'd desire God. I even hate to create the us and them type mentality. But our job really is just to know who we are because of what he's done. It's a natural response of love toward him. 
and to love others. And that is the only strategy, strategy that he's given us to make a difference in, in the world. You know, there's all kinds of things that he says to be and do and follow. But as far as actually doing something that makes a difference on the planet, it's love. Our love for one another is a sign that we follow Jesus. And our unity in that love, in him, will compel the world to believe that God sent Jesus into this earth. Amen? Amen. So it's like, let's just take off all the, all the stuff that we think that we've got to do to keep God happy. And, and can, you, you know, can you do this? Can you just sit in nature or sit with people and be at peace and be happy? You know, the basic definition of blessed is happy. Now, I'm not saying you end there. I'm not saying you just quit, you know, being evangelistic and following your call and all of those. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where do you do it from? You know, where do you live life from? Do you live it from a place of wholeness and completeness in Christ? Or are you still trying to add things to yourself to become more complete? Are you still trying to add this little Holy Spirit trick bag over here? It's like, oh, I'd like to do that. And you're still trying to get something that you feel like you don't have. Yeah, I'm thinking about Michelangelo who carved David, right? Didn't he carve David? And you hear him talk about it, and it's a block. What is it, marble? This is interactive. Something like that. Something, something birdie. Marble. He, you'd know, yeah. Marble. Have you worked with marble? Not yet. <laughs> You know, he, he describes that. They ask him about it. How did you plan? Or, you know, what were, I don't know the exact questions, but the, the, the main idea was this, that Michelangelo looked at this block and could see the statue in it already. And he basically said, all I did was remove the pieces that didn't need to be there so that David could come out. That's you as a believer, as a child of God. In Christ... You are whole, and you are, com- you are a completed masterpiece. Think about this for a minute, okay? You've been given a new heart that knows how to follow God. You have the spirit of the living God dwelling within you, giving life to you, giving you wisdom, giving you peace, giving you all of his quality of life. You're a joint heir with Jesus. You've been given his name, his authority. All his promises are yes and amen. If you were to stop breathing right now and go to him in front of his presence, he'd look at you and say, welcome home. He wouldn't say, oh, wait a minute, I need to send you back because you're not holy enough yet. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? What is that from? Sorry, I distract myself when I'm preaching. (laughs) Think about that, though. You are whole and complete in Christ already. Now, you could change some behaviors. You, you could not choose fear as much as you do. You could more often choose grace than treading off into that sin more than you do. But as far as what and who you are, you're done. Say, like, I'm done. Now, if I can start there when I'm seeking to evangelize, or I'm seeking to provide for my family, or I'm seeking to pray over this planet and however it might be, or, or whatever, it, whatever it is that you found yourself in life in, if you can realize, 
I am complete in him because of what he's done. And find that peace. And then, above all else, protect that peace inwardly. Man, you can deal with anything. It does not matter what comes your way. You can deal with anything. And there's this kind of teaching about the Holy Spirit that's crept into New Covenant Christianity that's because, you know, a lot of believers still have one foot, you know, back there in the Old Covenant, kind of dipping our toe in it. Actually, most people are in the Old, dipping their toe in the New, but... But the Spirit of God that created, that received the sacrifice under the Old Covenant, lives inside of us. And He's done an incredible work to get in there. And, and for a lot of people, the Holy Spirit, you know, it's kind of, He's kind of like exercise. You know He's there. You know what it is. You know if you engage with it, it's going to kind of help you, but it's like... Mm. I'm not sure I feel like doing those sit-ups today. It's like, you know, there's a gym right back there. We, like, it's like we know what a gym is, right? But I'm not so sure I really want to go in there. That's too much work. The Holy, the Holy Spirit is available, but because we're not willing to put the work in to learn His voice and build the relationship with Him, we don't know that we can live from this place of wholeness and completeness. That's a sore spot. Y'all are mad at me now. I mentioned exercise. Everybody's like, that wasn't funny, man. (laughs) Exercise, you know, when those breeds of sweat drip off your head? It's a good thing. My wrestling coach always used to say, break a sweat every day. I didn't listen very well, but, you know. But, you know, you don't work to get God to relate to you. But those of you that are married, you know... Marriage is work, and it's not a... See, here's the thing. We've been set free from dead works, but not good works. You are created for good works. The work, what kind of work is it that you already know to do that you can develop that muscle of engaging with the Spirit of God? Because what you need from the Spirit is a, is a tuned ear to be able to pick up when you're veering off away from that completed masterpiece that you are to get you back on track where you're fully aware of Him and following Him. That's what the Spirit of God does. That's how He chastens you. That's how He disciplines you. He disciples you, disciplines you back into the way of Jesus where you're following Jesus. You know, and so the, the thing of chipping away at the stone to get to the perfect masterpiece, God, you know, sometimes people, well-meaning, sincere people will say, well, you know, God's going to take that job away from you because it's keeping you from really experiencing Him, and what you need to do is really get to the end of your rope and suffer a little bit. Then you'll really know how to follow Him. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Most people have a circumstantial theology based on difficulties they've experienced because of what it did for their relationship. And it was completely unnecessary to have to have had that experience to have the relationship that we chose after the experience. Did you follow me on that one? 
God doesn't need to use suffering to get you closer to him. It's his love. It's his kindness that does that. I, you know, I'm kind of all over here, and I, but I've got this series called Is God in Control? And it's on the podcast, but if you want a link to it so it's a really nice, tidy link, email us, info at forwardchurch.net. I'll send you the link or somebody will. And, you know, just go through where I really get down and drill down on suffering and persecution and tempting and testing and all of that and trials and all of that stuff. But, yeah, you might experience suffering standing up for your faith. But what God uses to do something spiritual within you is his spirit, his word, the blood of Christ. God is not molding you with external circumstances. He molded you with Christ. He looked at Christ and he said, this is Christ. And then he starts painting you to match, to look just like him. And in your spirit, that's what you look like. But that spirit is constantly leading and guiding you back into the truth of following Jesus. And he does it with his word. He does it with the inner voice of his spirit. If you find yourself in a difficult situation, I hope you learn from it and don't repeat it. But he's not crafting that thing to do a spiritual work within you. A lot of, a lot of people's God looks like their dad or what they have decided who he is based on our circumstances rather than going to the Word, who has he revealed himself to be? If Jesus is the perfect example of God, let me develop all of my beliefs about God from Jesus, what he has displayed about who God is. But this thing with the Holy Spirit, you know, it's like the people that usually talk about the Holy Spirit sometimes are a little, a little extreme and, and, and kind of into some weird things. And it, it's like, you know, a lot of people, I'm a little uncomfortable with that. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the word. Just give me the word. Just give me the word. But yes, yeah, spirit's there. I don't really know. You know, it's because it's been, he's been presented in an impractical way. It's actually a very carnal way that the church has represented how the Holy Spirit works with us. In other words, I need some information. God, tell me what to do. The main thing the Holy Spirit does is remind you who you are. Because when you remember who you are, that is what's going to filter your decision-making process. Because if he just tells you what to do, but you don't own the identity of it that's going to drive that behavior, you're just, it's just legalistic. You're doing something that's not really who you are. And you're not gonna, it's not sustainable. You're not going to continue in that way. So what he does is he builds your identity. He reminds you of what he's done for you and through you. He lives within you. He's not leaving sometimes. He's right there with you always. We are not under the old covenant where the Holy Spirit will lift and move away from us and then come back for a particular task. There are not times when you have more of the Spirit than others. You have them all right now. In Christ dwelled the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and Christ is in you. Amen? Amen. You don't leak the Holy Spirit. People just make that stuff up. You realize that, right? 
People just make that stuff up. It's our perceptions. It's our experience. It's our awareness. It's what we allow to dwell in our minds and in our hearts. And yes, it can be a perception of who we think God is. Our main mission as a church is change the way people see God. He's good. Filter everything through who you've seen Jesus to be and build everything on him. And in him dwelled God, and he is in you. You know, the reason I'm wanting to talk about the sufficiency and the completeness of the Holy Spirit living within you is because, you know, sometimes you don't have enough value for yourself. I mean, I've been in some circles and talked in some places and and met people, and and you start trying to talk to them about how loved they are, and they're like, they've already decided I'm unlovable. That doesn't matter to me if God loves me because I'm not worth loving. Right? Like, that's somebody that's been pretty damaged, somebody that's been pretty hurt. They disqualify themselves. It's like, yeah, I, I believe God's a loving God. But I'm just, and it's not like they feel like God is angry with them. They just don't feel like they have any value or worth. Mm -hmm. A lot of people struggle with that. You have to replace your self-worth with God's worth for you. You know, when people are on a crash course for death and destruction, they don't have much self-respect. They don't have much value in and of themselves. And so you start talking about how God does have value for them. And, it, it, you know, you just, it starts to shift people's perception, and it starts to tune them to the Spirit. But for ourselves, you have to know there's not a single moment where God is further away from you. He's not coming and going. He stays He abides. He lives in you. The anointing that we have under this new covenant stays. In other words, the presence of the Spirit of God. You know, sometimes where it's like you feel like, oh, man. Now, there might be an element of a manifestation. In other words, you, you know, I don't know how all that works, but as far as you experiencing more of a manifestation of the Spirit, you know, we could say that. But the potential for that is always ever-present in full right now. You know, the goal is when you need to be yielded to the Spirit that you, in your heart, can yield to Him, (coughs) and the Spirit rises up within you, or however you want to say it. You know, we kind of don't have the words to really make stuff up, and then we build doctrines. This is the rise up of the Spirit, church. (laughs) I mean, we just, we just, it's hard, we just have to kind of paint a picture, right? to get the concept of what's actually happening. And that is, yeah, he's within you, but you know that there are some times where you, it's just, life is just easier because you're more aware of God. That doesn't mean that God has chosen to manifest more for you in those moments. That means for whatever reason, you have chosen to respond to his presence in that moment. What if every moment you could be aware of God, be reminded of who you are, and that be the filter through which you make your decisions. That is a person that's at peace. That is a person that's immovable. 
and unshakable. That's someone that's confident in what Jesus did. Amen? Let's look at a couple passages here because I just want you to get it in your heart about the Spirit. 1 John 2.27. This is going to be in the NIV. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. You know, it used to be the Holy Spirit would come upon you. God couldn't go inside of people under the old because inside of them wasn't holy. I'm announcing my rabbit trail. Don't forget about this, okay? We're going to go this way for just a second. Holiness, all right? Think about what holiness was under the old covenant. Basically, it was this. You cleansed yourself properly. You avoided the things that would cause contamination or unholiness, such as touching a dead body or blood or something like that. Those kinds of things, if they touched you, you, had, you became unholy or unclean. That was an outward thing because the outward presence of God would come and rest upon you, empower you for this task, this prophecy or this win this battle or whatever. And if you hadn't cleansed yourself properly and the Spirit of God comes in contact with an unclean or unholy vessel, you did. So now the Spirit is in you. And the cleansing, the holiness to get you clean happens inwardly. And the Spirit abides in you. And it's not a cleanliness that comes and goes. It's not a holiness that waxes and wanes, that grows. It's a holiness that's complete. Now, you have the choice of how much of that holiness, that set-apartness within God affects the rest of your life and your mind and your being and your choices and how you represent him, but it's in there. Say, I'm holy. Say it. Say, I'm holy. Okay, good. Sorry, I had to get on him for a minute there. You, the Spirit of God cannot be in you, and, and however that geography works, unless that place is holy. I mean, we say this a lot here, but, you know, we have to remember this. So the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as the anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. So he's saying the anointing remains in you, you remain in him, and then this corroborates another teaching of Jesus. It says the way that you abide in him and remain in him is let his word abide in you, ultimately through your mind. You you see these concepts, and then you hear these different doctrines taught, like that you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's the same thing as what he's saying here. Remain in him. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let his word abide in you. Because his word will be fruitful and produce change within you so that you outwardly reflect what's been done inwardly to you. But the information that you need to know is that that anointing remains. Even when you're in the middle of whatever sin you choose to engage, that spirit is inside of you, leading you and saying, "Mm -mm, no, come on back around this way. 
He's not overlooking it. Grace doesn't say, because you're accepted, you can go ahead on and do that thing. No. You've been changed at your core. That's why it produces so much guilt and condemnation when you tread off into that stuff, because you know better now. You didn't know better before. Now you do. And the Spirit's saying, come back to this. Remember, this is who you are. How you're behaving does not match who you really are. Let's get back over here. And that, you don't like that. We don't like being corrected. That might feel, you know. But he's not saying holiness is over there. You're going this way, turn this way to get to holiness. He's saying, no, you're holy, but you're letting this stuff come in you that's messing with who you really are. Get rid of it. Stop blocking what God has done. You know, it's like, imagine the statue David, this perfect masterpiece, reaching down and picking up some mud and spreading it on his face, you know. I mean, that's what we do. That's what sin is. It's hardening your heart toward him. We're spreading dirt on ourselves when we're actually clean and pure already because of what Jesus has done. This anointing will teach you. See, this is what we need from the Spirit of God. Absolutely, we want to walk in the power. We want to see miracles. We want to display. We want to do the stuff, as they say. But it's like, what you really need, yes, do those things, but what you need is that, in, you need that tuned ear to the administrative teacher that lives in you that will guide you back to the way to live. And the way he does it is he reminds you who you are. This is who you are. This is the way. Then it becomes your choice. Then it becomes your desire is in agreement with him. But you have to know that that teacher, he ain't leaving because you mess up. Amen? 2 Corinthians 1. A lot of times we talk about verse 20, that all his promises are yes and amen, but this follows. 2 Corinthians 1, 21. I'm in the ESV. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. Say, I'm anointed. God anointed me with Christ. Verse 22. And who has so put his so put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You know, we talk about these concepts all the time, but does it really affect how you make your daily decisions? If you know that you've been anointed by God, you've been smeared with his spirit, and what has to happen first that you have to be cleansed for that spirit to be in you, that he's in there to teach you. He's in there to give you insights and wisdom of what direction to go. And unfortunately, we've kind of made, we've relegated the job of the Holy Spirit down to empowering us to do a miracle or giving us some information because we think we don't know enough. You know, when you, when you are confident in the kind of person that you are, like a plumber or an electrician, you know, they don't, somebody that's been doing it a long time, they don't even need to stop by and see the job. It's like, I know there's going to be this kinds of factors, there's going to be these kinds of issues, and I know this could kind of, you know, based on 
So when I get in there, yeah, I got to work with the details and I got to use my knowledge. But in general, they just kind of know ahead of time. This, these are the things that I could experience when I get in there. It's the same way with life. We know pretty much what's going to come our way. Why are we ever surprised by anything? Yeah. First off, because I don't think we realize that we're reaping the fruit of our decisions from a year ago. Uh-oh. You know, that's pretty much what life continues to be, is you're experiencing the fruit of the decision that you made yesterday. Now, stuff happens. I get it. Injustice happens. We lose loved ones. Life, you know, life goes on. In those moments, you have to remember who you are and choose how you're going to respond. But by and large, our life is the condition of our decisions. What if you had an internal guidance system that helped you naturally, without even having to think about it, choose God's will for you? That's what the Spirit of God is. That's what He's doing, is constantly reminding you, Romans 8, you are my child. You are my child. You are my beloved. I've given you this. I have brought you close to me. My kingdom is in you. You are a representative of my kingdom. My blood has adopted you into my family. You're my child. You're mine. Now, go this way. It's who, not what. Revelation 3.20, and we'll end up on this one. This is Jesus speaking, and he's, he's talking to believers. He's talking to people and how they represent him, and specifically the seven churches. And he gets down to, I think it's Sardis is the church he's talking to here. But he's talking to believers. A lot of times you hear this passage. You can go ahead and put that up, Revelation 3.20. You hear this passage taught as if he's knocking on the door, the heart's door of unbelievers. Like as if it's a passage about being born again. But in context, he's talking to believers. This is the process that we're in here is that Jesus is already inside of us, but as we respond to his love for us, we let him into our heart, which is where we make our decisions. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and will sup with him and he with me. He's like, sup. Sup. <laughs> you say you sup together. Sup, bro. You know, it's like, so that's Jesus. It, you know, it's not fancy. It doesn't have to be, you know, it's just like, we're good. That's what sup means for, if you don't know, sup. What's up? Sorry. You know, gosh, we talk about this a lot, but, but I, I really want us to, to learn how to live from this place. You know, is your heart, the next challenge that you face, here's the question that you want to ask when you have to make a good decision. Let's look at it from two angles. You know, sometimes we're just so worried about if what we're doing is sin or not. You probably already really know. But it's a wrong question, is this sin or not? The question is, how is this going to affect my heart? This thing that I'm getting ready to do, this way that I'm getting ready to respond, this choice that I'm getting ready to make, how's this going to affect my heart? The reason it matters how it affects your heart is because that's where God wants to come in and sup with you. Standing, knocking at the door, wanting to come in. Other translations actually have the word heart in there. 
That's our problem as believers. We're stuck in this thing thinking the ultimate goal is over there. So the better that I do, the more consistent that I can be and get over there, then I'll be who I'm supposed to be. And Jesus is standing inside of you saying, look, reminding you who you are, wanting to commune with you inwardly, wanting to light that incense of the inner holy of holies, that it, the fragrance of Christ so consumes you inwardly that it's like when you open your eyes to look at the world, you're so full of what Christ has done for you, you, you live from that. You're making this decision based on this is who he's made me to be. I am David. I am a completed masterpiece. I am someone that God is well pleased with. And a person that God is well pleased with doesn't choose that. You don't even desire that. You know, it, we, we, we're really good at breaking down these processes, but in it's funny when I counsel people that have these real super legalistic backgrounds because they want to throw these scriptures up. This is, this is it. This is what the Bible says. This is the right thing. And then you kind of come at it from a different direction and you start asking them questions of how they live in light of that passage. It's not like, okay, well, how do you apply that? You kind of have to go around it. You know, it's like you kind of got to be a little bit stealthy when you're trying to help people connect to their hearts. But man, I'm telling you over and over and over, people that come in that are very dogmatic, that have these issues, and usually they're driving their spouse crazy with it, or other people around them, but they're right, bless God, I got the scriptures right here. Okay, well, what about this? And then you start coming around as far as the application of it. It's, it's totally different than what they're saying. But then they realize, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not giving up truth, but it looks different when it's applied through love. So the question is not, is this the right thing or is this the wrong thing? The question is, how's this going to affect my heart? How's this going to affect the hearts of the people around me? How's this going to affect my kids when I come at it from this direction? So with life in general, we need wisdom. We need fuel to make these decisions because we're so stuck in, I've got to be this way, but I have no idea how to do that. So God, give me some information so I know how to do that. It's like, no, this is who you are. Oh, this is what somebody that is this does in this situation. This is what somebody that's free does when they're encountered with this temptation. This is the kind of choice that a businessman makes when you have the temptation of, you know, undercutting the other person. This is what a person does in marriage that is irritated with what's going on, but I know that what I sow is what I'm going to get back. You know, it, it's that taking that pause. We talked a couple of weeks ago about creating that emotional margin around you where you've, you live in peace so that when you face something, you're not immediately reacting. You actually can look at it, deal with it, and then maybe even influence the situation because within you is that peace because you know who you are. So I'll leave you with this question because you're about to go out and face life, right? It's going to happen all week long. It's like gravity. It's everywhere. You can't get away from it. The question is this, am I teachable in, in this moment? You know, you might find yourself asking this question to yourself. Am I teachable 
in this moment. You've got a decision to make. You've got an op- Sometimes you re- I get it. Sometimes we react. And then we but as soon as you catch yourself instead of reacting, realize how do I want to act in this moment? Who who am I? And it's not what would Jesus do? The bracelet it's like, "Oh wait, I'm supposed to do that." I mean, that's a good reminder. You know what I mean? But if it's just an external thing, it's not a changed heart because you know who you are and then you're looking to be influenced to move in the direction of who you are. Then it's just behavior modification. Ultimately, behaviors should be modified and changed, but because you, in your heart, you've let him completely rebuild the image that you have of yourself, which changes your decisions. So when you face life, this is the question. Am I teachable in this moment? Remembering that the, the handwriting of the ordinances that was against you, in other words, the laws that God expected you to keep to be holy and to be righteous that you couldn't do anyway, you never expected it, the law was nailed to his cross. So in other words, I'm not relating to God based on right and wrong. If I miss it, I'm not under the law where he's going to send me punishment and judgment. Jesus already took all that for me. So we're good there. The next thing is, just how changed really am I? Do I re- in this moment, do I really, am I really connected to the fact that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in this moment? However that looks for you. So you need the Spirit to teach you what righteousness looks like in that situation. And then this stuff called grace rises up within you. And, and strengthens you to move in that direction. And see, we kind of have this concept that we're just always going to need grace because I'm going to want to do it this way, but I need to do it that way, so God, give me some grace because I can't do it that way. Well, you know what? It shifts. I'm not saying you get to a place where you don't need grace, but it shifts where you're not desperate needing God to show up and do a radical thing within you because you just already naturally choose the wisdom direction that he has for you. But all of that starts with his word abiding within you, communing with his spirit, realizing that he is for you and he is not against you. He doesn't have plans to harm you. He's got plans to lead and guide you into truth so that you will be a reflection of what somebody full of God looks like so that he gets all the glory. Am I teachable? In this moment. And know that the anointing abides. Well, that was a good one. <laughs> Whoo! The anointing of did you feel that? That first row, y'all supposed to fall down on that one. <laughs> the anointing is not going anywhere. In other words, the teacher is in there. There's never a time where you're gonna face something and God's not saying, Go this way. Respond this way. Hey, remember this script. For me, it's scripture, because I do value, I love the word. I told God one time, I said, look, if you've got something to say to me, back it up with Scripture, because I don't know if I trust myself to just hear stuff that's made up, you know. And it's just constant yielding. Am I, you know, rather than, I wish I could explain what I'm feeling, but it's like rather than kind of leaning toward life, it's like, wait a minute, let me relax for a minute. Let me create some space for God in my heart and in my mind. Let me yield to his influence as a teacher. And I'm not really seeking information. I'm seeking that my natural choice is going to be in agreement with him. 
And then you move and you live and you develop and you grow in confidence that he is with you and in you because he loves you. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for that ever-present voice of the teacher inside of us. In this moment, I recognize that you've done a complete work within me by your spirit, by your blood. And I want to reflect that in every area of my life. I want to be teachable. I want to be moldable to your spirit. I want to completely yield to you so that you're squeezing out and getting rid of, getting rid of all that extra ego stuff that I've added to myself. Those insecurities that I've chosen to walk in because of self-centeredness. I just want to let all of that stuff go and just make room for you. You know, it's like I almost have this picture of being weightless and being weightless is like in the kingdom. And so the only thing that remains is the completed new creation of who you are and everything else just kind of floats off. I don't need that anymore. I send away that unforgiveness that I've been holding toward those people. It, it just can't stick. It's not, it's not who I am. I am a forgiven being, a forgiven child of God. Therefore, I don't hold on to unforgiveness. I don't hold on to fear because I have joy living within me. Thank you that you're teaching us. Thank you for your spirit. We trust you. Amen.